So uh, how's everybody's summer been? How is your 2020 going? <laughs> is it over again? <laughs> Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Olgan Holder, and a special guest address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today we welcome Pub Theology's founder, the Reverend Ryan Burkhoff. Woo! Woo! The house like <laughs> what? Brian is a pastor, a father of four children, a loving husband, a leader in the community, and an advocate for those in need. I got, that off, currently, his, I got that off his website. So. Oh, gotcha. He is currently running for Congress in West Michigan's second district, and he is the and he hosts the podcast Pub Democracy. I wonder where he yeah. got that title from. So creative. So creative. Yeah, and don't think you coming back to the episode and not get a little ribbon here, Brian. You're in trouble. Anyways, you can show your love for Pub Theology Live by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get extended interviews, special guests, some before and after the show banter, and visit patreon.com slash ptlife to get started. Big thank you to our current patrons. I'm assuming we still have some. I didn't even check. Yeah, this we is, still have patrons. This is how prepared this is how prepared I am for this record. Well, in all fairness, I texted Ogan this morning, like, hey, we should start next week. And he was like, How about three o'clock? So you know Wait. There are a lot of steps between that, okay. <laughs> that's not that's listen, I had I had to fit into the almost congressman schedule. I know. I listen, I'm just saying I that's why we're him. not prepared. Any, anytime later or this week, he's like, I can do today this afternoon. It's like, oh damn. <laughs> Let me get him while we can. And you can also see clips from our show and join the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube using the hashtag PTLive. So while Shannon sips her drink, oh, no, she's ready. Go, go. I was ready. <laughs> you interrupted me. Knocking the rest. Oh, you guys missed us so much, didn't you? Oh, my God. You have no idea. <laughs> We're like siblings bickering over our script. Today we discuss work and satisfaction, maybe not at the same time, truth and peace, and is 2020 over yet? <laughs> oh, God. Um, what are we drinking? Brian, you are technically our guest, which is always weird, but what are you drinking today? It is weird. I am drinking a Citrail Ale from Oddside Brewing in, in Greyhaven, Michigan, right in the 2nd Congressional District. And for the first time, I'm looking out of my pub theology live. Yay! Don't you love it? Isn't it great? Awesome. Yeah, good. good. Look at you plug in the district with your beer. I am also drinking out of our pub theology tumbler. I almost wore the t-shirt too, but I don't know where it is. I gotta look for it. It's been that kind of it's been that kind of summer, and I'm drinking from also my local down the road around the corner brewery, Spicket River Brewery. This is called a Fresca, 
and it's a slightly slightly hoppy lager brewed in Lawrence. No, I don't think it's grapefruit. I hope it's not grapefruit because... I mean, I would think with... Well, Freshka, I guess, doesn't have to be the soda. It can be like a fresh... A refreshing sound grapefruitish i hope yeah. it's not because grapefruit stuff does not react good with high blood pressure medication so it doesn't so uh, you did say slightly happy have you taken baby steps in your uh very tiny baby steps okay very 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 tiny so yeah if i just suddenly you see me fall out of the camera uh view here and uh, call 911 <laughs> i don't think it works that fast um, I'm actually drinking some wine today. Um, this has become one of my favorites. We, those of you that know, I got allergic. I became allergic suddenly to red wine a couple years ago. So I had to start liking white wine. Um, and so I tried lots of varieties, but anyway, this is, um, Willanette Valley Vineyards Riesling 2018. Oh, I love me a good Riesling. Um, it's very, very good. It's, it's from, um, Willamette Valley in Oregon. So a little shout out to those of dealing with wildfires today. And, um, but I love at the bottom of it, it goes through all the, you know, our Oregon Riesling is fruity, clean and crisp and acidity and balance and sweet, blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, it's wine people. Um, but all of our vineyards are certified sustainable live, low input viticulture and enology, and they're salmon safe. So there you go. I don't even know. What do you mean a live vineyard? I don't know. Vineyards by nature always alive? Aren't the plants alive? That's what it says. All confused. And I am not drinking out of my pub theology glass because it's too big for wine. Um, I am drinking out of my very special hand-painted glass that me and all my sisters have. So there you go. There's no glass that is too big for wine. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I have things after this. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, um, you're all aware of the concept butterfly effect. You know, the fact that everything's all things are so intricately intertwined. So the premise is, you know, butterfly flaps and swings on one side of the ocean and there's a hurricane on the other. I'm not saying there's any relation, but Brian quit the podcast and then the world started to fall to hell. So not saying it's your fault. Granted it was six months later, but still. <laughs> not saying it, it takes a while. Like that butterfly effect, right? I mean, right. it started in China. It took six months. Exactly. Yeah. Not saying it's your fault, Brian, or is anything is related, but I'm just saying that happened. <laughs> but, here, but here's the thing. We were Zooming before it was cool. This is, this is, this is true. You know what? I have to say cheers to Pub Theology Podcast because I knew how to use Zoom right away. Right. I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> we were ahead of the curve. We were. We were. Yes, we were. I'm still trying to talk Shannon into because for our uh, our happy hour live show, which is probably still up on our Facebook page, um, I was like, "This is how we should do it from now on. Bring back the live name, you know, and whenever we no, because are then everybody knows what how early in the day we start drinking. It's <laughs> listen, two things. It's five o'clock somewhere, and nobody would in be surprised. Britain. By <laughs> nobody would be surprised by that at all. <laughs> I'm just it saying is a I really like idea. my job. That's it all. It's a fun idea to, because I think, right, right, Zoom allows you, if you want, to stream it to Facebook while you're doing it. It does allow you to do that, that's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. We should we should do that. Uh, we yeah. should do that. So uh, how's everybody's summer been? How is your 2020 going? <laughs> is it over yet? Well, so let's start, Brian. Let's catch up with you. We haven't heard from you in a while. You, you were 
you know, it's been a while. So why don't we catch up with you real quick? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been an abnormal summer for everybody uh, with the pandemic. I think a lot of folks had uh, travel plans rearranged and, and shifted, uh, if any, and uh, true for us as well, and throw in running for office. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's been different. Um, you know, yeah, you just, actually, because of this, though, you got like a little bit of a like face to face reprieve from running for a while, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, certainly the schedule shifted uh, and, you know, going virtually meant less driving all over, you know, so, I, you know, there was actually during that first three months after the pandemic went were really kind of locked, locked down, uh, much less, less travel. Um, so it did did up the schedule a little a little bit uh, for better or worse, right? Uh, you'd rather be out there connecting with voters face to face, but we did we have found that doing online meetings allows us to bring people together from all across West Michigan to the same meeting where they normally wouldn't be at those together. Uh, so there's some advantages uh, amidst the you know drawbacks, but uh, I mean I wasn't necessarily, but I know that you know that it was a very rigorous schedule there for a while. And then it was yes. a little bit of a breath, you know, a little bit of a breath. And now we're in the last two months till November. And I think all of us, whether we're running for office or not, are kind of holding our breaths. Right. Exactly. And in, in, uh, in the abnormal summer, but you know, we tried to make some time here and there. We did some wiffle ball with the kids in the backyard. Uh, we'd take kind of little trips around West Michigan and, Know, try to find some family time amidst everything. So uh, how how is the campaign going? Um, I'm assuming that you're seeing it through to the end and not going like, oh shit, what the hell was I thinking anymore? Like you're you're okay, committed, you're not right? Supposed to cuss in front of the congressman. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he, well, he's not there yet. I got a I got a few weeks. I got a few weeks before I got to roll out all the decorum. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's going, you know, it's going well. Uh, we're feeling encouraged, set a record for the most, most votes the Democrats ever gotten during the primary uh, here in nice. Michigan. So I think that's exciting. Uh, that was August 4, so kind of a late congressional primary here in Michigan. Uh, but that, I think, signifies some of the energy we're seeing. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of enthusiastic volunteers who are making phone calls, writing postcards, uh, mailing out uh, literature, and delivering yard signs. So people are excited. And I'm ready for November 4. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very, very cool. Hopefully you'll know something the night of the 3rd, you know, no matter what. No doubt. It yeah, would be very anticlimactic to have to wait. Uh, I mean, I understand waiting until the next day, but if it stretches beyond a day, I think America might lose uh, some. Yeah, we're all going to flip out. <laughs> America, America needs to learn yeah. how to do delayed gratification. No, um, not and, this time. Impatient, you know, impatient, impatient bunch of people. Really? Because yeah. you would be fine just waiting four or five more days to know. Listen, if four or five days brings the best result for this nation i don't mind waiting i don't want to rush through this and mess it up i might i would rather stake our time take our time sure count, all the count all the ballots correctly and get people i just don't i don't know i'm i'm trying to be that you know eternally optimistic type although i'm terrified but like i'm still sitting here going 
maybe it'll be like the biggest landslide ever and blah, blah, blah. And we'll see. I know, I know, but it's, you know, you gotta have some dream. Listen, it's 2020. Nothing has gone as it should this year so far yet. Why do we think that's gonna start? That'll be the thing, that'll be it, that'll be it. Oh my God. So I'm starting to get sample ballots in the mail from every county just to make sure my name is spelled right, you know, and it's highlighted for, for help. Has anyone, has anyone botched it yet? Cause you know that- No, they've all been correct. Do you, do yeah. you get the feels? It's a little surreal to see your name like two offices below the office of the president, like on the ballot. Like that's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Well, well we, we'll always get to say we knew you win. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like, I'll be looking in my mail for the, for the invite to come check the office out in DC. Oh, I want inaugural ball stuff. Like I want to go to the balls. I want to show up to things. Oh, wait, are you congressional in auto balls? Or maybe I'll just, I, just give it to Biden. I was just I about to ask. Know. I don't I think. Mean, I don't Christy, think can sit, Christy can sit one out, right? Like, oh. just one. <laughs> throw one. There you go. Like, uh, be like, just throw one to Shannon. Come on. Just one. <laughs> How are you, Shannon? How has your uh, summer been? <laughs> our summer has been very stressful. Um, our summer has been very, very stressful. You know, uh, church-wise, things are going okay. We're still completely not in person. Um, we are kind of having a town hall discussion where we did a community engagement thing and kind of said, how can we connect better? So we're going to add a couple of things on there. We are going to allow a couple of outdoor um, events, like very small numbers, social distance. Um, and honestly, we didn't do it before now because it was just so hot. Like it was just oppressive outside. And it's, that's not safe for our people either. <laughs> so, right. um, um, so now we're going to open that up for the next couple months, see how it goes. Um, we're kind of developing a plan, but we have a very small building. Um, and we're looking at plans. The only, the only people with plans right now in our presbytery are these really big churches. And, you know, our, our sanctuary is very small and to truly social distance, I mean, we're talking 15, 20 people in the sanctuary. And it's just, and then it's who you, who decides you what. Well, five anyway. times on a Sunday, right? Shana? Right. Like we can just go through and like that actually is not even allowed because you have to wait like three hours in between. So the air, there's this whole thing. It's a whole thing. The whole thing. So we've basically just said we can provide better worship virtually because we can do song. We can do, you know, all that stuff virtually. So um, but still, like every month, somebody brings it up and it becomes this point of stress, you know, and... Have you guys set a date that you're staying virtual through or are you kind of taking it month by month? So where, we, where we've been, where we are, because I couldn't do the month to month thing anymore, was um, we always followed the school system for weather. So we, follow, we said, you know what, why is this any different? It's public health. We're gonna follow the school system. So that means right now, January 29th. Um, now that doesn't mean there aren't still people going, but we could, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but we're also kind of saying um, the first thing we have to hit is phase five. So we're in phase three of the five, you know, Maryland's plan. So, you know, one step at a time there. 
Um, and, but part of it is just continuing to put that information out there. Like this is our, you know, this is what we're doing. Now, did I, did I not just hear in Maryland that even though you guys are still in phase three, the governor like declares schools need to be open? Like, oh yeah, because he, even though, I mean, and I'm sorry, but like, even though he doesn't like Trump, he's a Republican governor. So the weekend before Memorial Day, he opened us to phase two. And the weekend before, or the day before Labor Day, he opens us to, to phase three. I mean, it's all economy driven. It has nothing to do with our numbers. It, I mean, our numbers, we had just gotten off. The only good thing that had happened is we'd just gotten off like other states' quarantine list. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how bad it is here. People are still, and it's because of the ocean. It's because everybody went to the ocean anyway. Of course. You know? Um, and that's why Maryland numbers are bad. Baltimore County's not so bad, but like, it's still not good. We're not, we're not anywhere. Like we're not phase three in my opinion, but that's where they are, you know? Right. Um, and, and the interesting thing in that respect is, you know, it's a, it's, it's a few voices that are very loud, you know, um, the Always mass is, <laughs> the mass is not is. asking for this. Um, it's hard on all of us. Of course it is. Yeah. And then personally, we, you know, we're a blended family and in two different states and it's a struggle. It's a real struggle. And to get all kind of, all three families are doing what we need to do, but um, it's just, it's, it's been, not everyone handles stress the same way um, and not everyone handles stress well. <laughs> and um, it has been very difficult around here, but the kids are, 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 like everybody's well physically, um, those of us, <laughs> including some of the children that aren't doing so well mentally are getting the help they need. Um, we're just, we're trying to do more than survive, but if we survive this, it'll be a good thing, you know? Then I support you sticking with the small wine glass. So I the small wine glass. Probably best. I think that's probably best. No, um, I'll be really honest. Most of the summer, I've been too tired to drink. That's how exhausting it's oh been. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm that's, just, I'm going go to go That's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. That is saying a lot. Uh, we are still, we are also still meeting online only. And um, the good news is just last week, we finally closed on the sale of our church building. Good. Thank you, sweet baby Jesus. It is mm -hmm. done. It is oh, over. Wow. And in, in true to form, um, on one end of the spectrum, we have some congregants who are happy about it, who are rejoicing. Some even are like, give the staff a raise with the money that comes in. They deserve it. And then on the other hand, it's like, um, so when are we firing the minister again? Right. So, you know, yeah, we got the whole spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Did I hear you say you purchased or sold your trip? Sold. 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 We had it. We so we were, we were in a building that was way too much for us. Um, yeah. That, that we could not afford that was entirely dependent on rental income and and the true miracle is that the timing of it was that the sale process started right before everything shut down perfect so we were able to sell in the midst of covid because we can't meet um as a big group yet we're not in a rush to buy a new space as well we got some temporary like office space we were renting so it like could not it, it is like the the covid blessing for us that's nice. like, you know, this whole thing, that's the one thing I could say good came out of this whole 
mess of a pandemic is is that time in for us and and quickly before we jump into into the topics i also want to check in we're all parents how's the back to school thing going happening for anybody at all uh my daughter returned to college in chicago she? she did um they're starting with everybody two week quarantine and online classes and then matriculate into in-person. I'm rolling the dice. I said three to four weeks, you're going to be out of there because college kids are college kids. Um, did she have to get tested first? Um, she did not, but tested while she's there. They're doing um, every, every student is allowed a free weekly test. So okay. she's going to get tests often. She was with me the week before she went there and Massachusetts, we have our act together. So like you get a test, results are coming back the next day. So nice. So nice. she she was tested while she was here. Um, this state has been it's been one of the better states because we've been we've been really cracking down on our governor. He's also Republican, but he is like, we're not playing with this at all. Case yeah. in point, part of the reopening, I think phase three we're in was, you know, restaurants could open, but bars couldn't. So the folks who ran the bars were very upset about this. So they started serving snacks and calling themselves a restaurant. Right. <laughs> the governor right. was like, oh, no, that's, that's not what that means. And he's sending people to, like, shut them down again. So Yeah, this is my other thing. They opened, up, they opened up indoor dining, and then they shut it down because the numbers were going up. And then the next week they were like, phase three. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how it works. That's not how this works. <laughs> So I feel like the next question, well, so I'll just say our kids are all virtual. It's going to be a tough year, but we're going to do it. And we're very privileged to be able to have um, both Derek and I at home with them to help them. Mm -hmm. um, so we can tag team that and we've kind of assigned children to each other, you know, so they have a person they go to and bother regularly and, um, you know, and we'll figure it out. Um, Brian, you guys are, what are you guys doing? Uh, so far, our kids are in person, uh, mask wearing, temperature checks every day, um, social distancing. So far, so good. But uh, like, for example, Josephine had a slight cough and runny nose. And it's like, oh, she can't come. She got tested, came back negative, but she had to stay home a couple days while we waited for the result. Uh, so you know, so far it seems okay, knock on wood, but uh, we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Brian, I feel like you wrote this question for yourself. So I will start with you. <laughs> would you prefer to have a job that pays more, but is much more stressful <laughs> or a job that has no stress, but pays only half, but is only half the pay <laughs> or, or you forgot the best third option become a minister and have a stressful job for little pay. No, like, it says like more than your current job. So would you, so <laughs> like. Yeah, well, you know, living in the midst of the most stressful thing I've ever. I feel like that was your existential crisis question of the week. Yeah. <laughs> like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> Running for office is the hardest thing I've ever done without question. And it comes with no pay. So <laughs> well, there's, there's always that. But I mean, technically, from what I understand, what congressmen make, if you win, you'll get a pay raise. If I like, win, I would get a pay raise. But, but the stress is... Stress remains, and, and there's no guarantee 
what, what winning happen- by running. What happens right. to the leftover campaign funds if you don't win and you don't need to, we can edit this out afterwards. <laughs> well, I think um, you see. No, I think up- there's a law on it. I don't think it's come up to- for a future run, or maybe you can pass them off to either local party or other candidates. Can you give yeah. it to friends? I'm oh, I, well, I was wondering about Mike, Mike Bloom once he pulled out. I thought, I thought, hey, I'm gonna help some down ballot cancer, Mike. Yeah, well, like people that over, but over, like that overspend, other people can donate their funds to, right? Like, because there was a time when, when Hillary and Obama were running and like Obama won the primary, but Hillary was in debt and other candidates were giving her, you know, to pay. Anyway, I, I don't know that for sure, but I know there's a law out there. So, but that doesn't, okay. So what, what, um, but back to the question. So back to the question. Yeah. So, well, so the idea of less stress certainly appealing, uh, to me, but there's also the question of sort of what are your obligations? And there's a little bit of privilege in the, in the question, right? Because not everybody's in a position to make some kind of choice like that. We'd all prefer a life with less stress and be able to pay our bills and obligations. Yeah. But I would say, you know, uh, yeah, less stress sounds appealing right now. Of course it does, yeah. But also raising four kids, paying off a mortgage, you right. know. Well, you but there's also, there really, there is something to having the money to your downtime being really worth it, right? Like we three work these very stressful jobs and have these very stressful lives without the money to be able to like play as hard as we have to work or you know release as much as we have the stress so i do understand the appeal um and like you had the opportunity to take a sabbatical which was great but you worked hard for that and not every pastor is able to even have that opportunity and that's like once every decade if if you're able to do it yeah april just wiped that whole like out it was like, like I it need never another happened sabbatical tomorrow <laughs> it was like it never happened it's exactly. like it never happened <laughs> this is oh, an Ogan. annual grant right right exactly ogan what about you actually i need to fill out my forms on like this is what i did last summer and i still haven't done it oh no uh, sorry to add stress ogan which would you would you take the money um well it it, it, it always depends on when you ask me in my life because there have been times in my life where I had a lot of bills and a lot of time, and there were times in my life when I had very little bills. So obviously when it's a lot of bills time, sure, I'll, I'll take the money. But, but here we are in what, September of 2020 and the only right answer is less stress. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. This, this year. And yet, been. okay, here's my other side of this that I'm just going to throw out. If I do 10 years of a lot of money and a lot of stress and then retire. You're on to something. Right? So like maybe there's a workaround. There could be. And hopefully you don't stroke out at year nine and a half. Well, that's That's always the, that's the risk. The fear is that you won't live long enough to like spend the money. So Um, five terms in Congress, then I can just ride off into the sunset. (laughs) Like even saying five terms, like my heart just was like. I, that means five campaigns. Exactly. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't understand. Oh my God. All right. So, okay. So here we go. The quote from Ecclesiastes. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live. 
that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. Mm. This is Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13. Oh, preach Discuss it. this view of human purpose and existence. How often have you heard a sermon on this text? I feel like from now on... For my daughter's therapy, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Okay, I feel like from now on, when they print Bibles and they have this verse, they just put a little asterisk in the bottom, they go like, 2020 need not apply. (laughs) Well, so this is actually the thing I was going to say about the last question, right? Which is, no matter what I'm doing, like, so even if you said half the pay and no stress, like if I'm... And selling insurance or if I'm a robo collar type like I don't think I could just do I would do it for a paycheck if that was if I needed a paycheck and it was my only option you know what I mean right but like I know that we say like oh I want a job I can just go to I do my job and then I come home but if I don't find meaning in that job if I don't find meaning in that like that doesn't feel real to me no matter what the paycheck is you know what I mean Yep. Um, now, again, if I had to do it for a paycheck to feed my family, that has value, that has worth, I can find worth in that. But if I have a choice in doing something that I feel is a call and meaningful, I'm going to take that choice, even if it's less money. I did that. I did that for the paycheck to feed the family for close to four years it about to kill me and that was just four years the people who do that their whole life exactly on, on how they make it just almost four years and it took everything it had out of me i pretty much had a nervous breakdown um that 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 almost cost me the family the very family was trying to feed right so it's like yeah yes. yeah there's 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 got to be that that nice uh, the sweet spot of of you know doing something that's meaningful, doing something that makes you happy, and doing something that provides you enough to live on. Like when you can hit that sweet spot, then you're golden. Um, yeah. But if any one of those things for me is it's out of order, then um, then it's a mess. And I and you know I've, I've I've been hearing a lot of stories from people during these last few months. When, you know, like when we, when we wrapped up at the beginning of the summer, I don't know if any of us really thought here we are at the end of the year, we'll still be in this mess. Maybe we did. But over the months, a lot of people have talked about how this has really um, taught them what's important in life and, and what matters the most. And a lot of people are doing a lot of reprioritizing of, of things in their life, which I think is, again, one of them other hidden blessings of this whole pandemic mess and fortunately for some of those people they had to lose people along the way um um to 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 really embrace that idea but but yeah folks are shifting and that's one of the things that that i've experienced while uh even pre-pandemic and running for office is when i when it gets you know when i have time my week that i've carved for my actual job it's like oh yes I, I get to spend time on stuff. I love this, and it's and it's a refuge from all all the campaign. You know, it's like oh, I get to get into the text. I get to, you know, craft a message. I get to check in with people to see how they're doing, and it feels like a little window of like normalcy. That's not think about you know, detailed policy things or budgets or foreign policy or you know, 
what have you. Uh, so that, that's been an interesting way for me to sort of see my job from out from a different angle because mm -hmm. I've been so absorbed in doing something else alongside it. How are people doing? I think of the three of us, you're the one who's probably been encountering the most new people um, in, yeah. in, in the last few months. So what's, what's your sense? How are people doing where you are? I yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's a, a mix here, like everywhere, you know, some people have been impacted more than others. I know some people have had to close their small business uh, because they weren't able to be open and for whatever reason, maybe didn't qualify for uh, some of the relief that, that came out. Uh, others are struggling with um, mental health because of isolation. You know, I think that's been a real challenge for folks uh, who thrive and need in-person social interaction. And so, you know, members of my own church, we've been virtual like you all have since, since this sort of kick kicked in and to not have to have that in-person time takes a toll toll on people. Um, and, and also I've seen people be resilient and, you know, reach out to help their neighbors. And, you know, the, the ways people have served each other during this time has also been really cool to see. So um, it's been a, like a, a crazy and fascinating journey, I think, for all of us. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so we're full of scripture today, which is great. I love it. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I also want, I just want to add one thing to what you said, you know, Brian, is even if you don't, like for me, even if I don't have two different jobs right now, you know, um, I mean, I have parenting, which is a job, but you know, understand what I'm saying. Like, apparently now I'm a teacher. So, you know, it's fine. No, our, our teachers are doing great. Um, but that's true, even within a job that you love, like one job, right? Like, I can get, I can sit in my office and I can get co so caught up in our budget process or our meetings or our, you know, like, how are things, you know, the administrative side of stuff and I can lose the, the side that really feeds you and, you know, really fosters you. So, yep. you know, I think it really is a balance no matter what and no matter where we are, you know, um, I was having a conversation with somebody who was like talking about like, we're supposed to work, but we're supposed to work and eat and drink and have our fill. You know, we're, we're also supposed to rest and have fun. And that's one thing that like, probably like right after the beginning of the summer, that's a, a conversation Derek and I had where we were like, you know, we need to relax. Like we need, the kids need to see us relaxing. Like we need to find a way to have fun together as a family. Like we can't lose that. Things can't be serious all the time. That's not good modeling. Like one, that's not healthy for us, but it's also really bad modeling for the kids, you know? So you can show them that things are hard and also there is joy in life. Um, and, you know, not everybody is able to do that, but it, it's, it's important that we really kind of sink into that text right now, um, that we find the balance even in the midst of pandemic, right? The new normal. And so maybe for two months we didn't do it because we thought it'd be over, but here we are six, seven months in, like it's time to get in the new normal. Like this is the new normal, friends. Right. We know so, so much more now than we did then. So we kind of right. know how to mitigate some of the, some of the dangers 
of, right. the, of the pandemic. And so this is my like encouragement that. to but, stop saying when, <laughs> yeah. like out of your vocabulary and just embrace right. yeah. it. So, that don't mean that don't mean I'm going to Disney World though. Like for no, that. no. And again, that's the that. new normal. It's this. This is a temporary normal, but we have to figure out what that looks like for us. You know. Yes. There you um, and I think your comment about meaning is so true, right? That when we find meaning and purpose in what we're doing, it will bring with it a satisfaction. It will be worth it, and we'll find a way to to find joy in that. And I'll say this: I, I really, genuinely say this with humility, but like. I'm good in a crisis. Like part of like in, in my job, I'm very good in a crisis. Now it's sometimes to my detriment, right? Cause I, I take on the stress, but this, the, you know, those first three, four months was really a time for me to do what I do really well. And yep. I was able to embrace that and really do that. And I, I was able to find, I wasn't, I was frustrated. I wasn't able to do things the way um, I wanted to do them, but I was able to provide care and, you know, meaningful sermons and write, you know, um, letters to my congregation in a way that was comforting and, you know, really rooted in our faith. And that was a joy to do. You know what I mean? Like that was feeding all of us. I didn't like the circumstances. I didn't want, like why we did it, but having that opportunity to go through that together and provide comfort is something that, you know, it's part of why I do this, you know? So anyway, so Psalm 86, 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. So this is just a simple question Brian wrote for us. What is God's truth? <laughs> ooh, ooh. Next question. What is the God's honest truth? <laughs> it's whatever we make it. Ugh. There you go. God's truth is whatever we make it. Everybody's got a different version of God's truth. I just, no, 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 no. Yep, yep, no. yep, yeah, I'm, yep. I'm going to push back a little on that. Yeah, push as much as you want. <laughs> we all, listen, we all, we all read the same Bible and we all walk away with a lot of different things. And we all say it's true. We, we all have different perspectives on God, on truth, on faith. But underneath all that, that is actual reality, reality actual god actual life right like we have our own human eyes and, and filter and our own experiences through which we sub subjectively experience the world and interpret it but what we're all interpreting is an objective reality right but because we all are subjectively interpreting an objective reality then we never really then bring that objective reality into being none of us is in a position to declaratively say you know, my truth is the absolutely true truth. So then that's what I said when I answered the question. <laughs> Whatever well, we say it is. But I think you went a step farther to say everyone has their own truth, which is... No, saying God's, God's truth is whatever we make it. I completely yes, disagree. I disagree with that as well. That's what you said. So I can... I can not, no, none of us in the position are, are in a position to fully declare this is God's truth. So none of us know what it is. But I do believe this is, I mean, this is part of you, you are rooted in a foundation of beliefs in God, beliefs about God, and therefore you draw conclusions 
like as a faith collective, we've drawn some conclusions about God's truth. God's truth is that God is love and, and God is a manifestation of love. Um, one of those now, commandments. Hold on. Hold on. I agree truth. with you about that, but then there are others who would say that God's truth is about exacting vengeance upon the enemy, upon, you know, only love and supporting those who follow God's commandments. For some, that's God's truth. And I, and I, I understand that I'm saying, so what is the number one thing told to us that like, what's the number one command in the Bible is that we should care for one another and particularly the widow, the orphan and the stranger, right? Um, the strangers in our land and the foreigners, because we were once foreigners, like that is the largest, like that is said by far bigger than any other thing besides, you know, well, and when Jesus ranks them, it's love, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. And your neighbors yourself. So, if you're going to pick thing. a truth, those to me are your first two fundamental foundations. So, when we start sharing what we believe God's truth are, if they don't somehow get back to those two things, yeah. then my judgment is that, that is they're not God's truth. Hold oh, no. up. You know me, just playing devil's advocate. Just, you know. <laughs> Devils don't need advocates. By the way, I want that to be our slogan. <laughs> Pub theology. The devil does not need advocates. I want swag that says it. <laughs> there you go. That should have been a tagline under there. I know. The under, devil does under, not under, need under, under the glass. Yes, yes. Comes back to love. I 100% agree so with you. That, I mean, that's to me where, yes, we all have manifestations, but like we, we have to like teach me your ways so that I may walk in your truth. Yeah. Like that those come back to those foundational things right um that's the truth that's the light we're supposed to walk in we know god um, is slow to anger abounding in love extending mercy to generations those kinds of things right. uh and if those are god's ways then how do we well it depends on what chapter of the bible you're reading because there's some old testament chapters where there was no slow to anger there was no slow to anger i don't care what you tell me there was no slow to anger but so. ogan what i say what i say when people say that right when people say well you know god only love god hates the wicked and loves the whatever and 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 loves those who keep his commandments which it's always his at that point but you know still um the the response back is and god has told us that vengeance is up to God. Ours is, it is not ours to judge. Like we don't get to judge who are the ones keeping the commands and who are not. That is not ours. That is God's job. Agreed. So our job is to live in love and love neighbor as self. The rest is God's to decide in walking in the way. So we only control us and ours, right? I get to only control the way I walk in love and in God's truth, which comes down to those two things. And what I say to people who also say the thing I said is that we have always been creating God in our image, not the other way around. And therefore God has evolved as we have evolved or, or the, the picture, the image, the interpretation of the narrative about God evolves as we evolved because that's just how it's been. So Yes, you will find your angry, vengeful God because that's with the time when people were 100% angry and vengeful. Uh, Don't get me wrong. There are days today I wish I believed in that God. <laughs> like there are days I watch the news and I'm like, 
you know what? <laughs> You're going to get yours. <laughs> Listen, on a, on a serious note, I said that this morning. I woke up this morning and got a message that a, a, a very good friend of mine who like, I've known since I was 14 years old had a seizure yesterday. They found a mass on her brain. They may be operating today or tomorrow. And when I got that message, I said, I said to a friend of mine, it's days like today that I wish I still believed in a God that I could pray to. Because uh, that's that's not where I am in in my theological evolution. I wish, I wish I still believed in that God. Because I think it might have made me f- feel better when I when I got that news. And it was just like to your to your to your point. Some days, like how we view God, <laughs> changes based on the circumstances that are in front of us. And that's and and that's a real thing. And obviously, you know, Brian and I come from, are still living in a a different tradition that does believe we are made in, you know, believes that we are made in God's image and that, you know, our job is to continually stay rooted in that image. Um, And, you know, I, I like. And to be clear, I believe that too. And that image is love. That's, that's the, that's the image. Right. But this is part of the beauty of just having these conversations and viewing things differently. Exactly. As a matter of honor, one man owes it to another to manifest the truth. Thank God women are left out of that. (laughs) I don't owe anybody anything. Um, Quote by Thomas Aquinas. I know, I know. The matter of honor, one man owes it to another to manifest the truth. Have we lost this sense of honor and why is truth so difficult to agree on these days? And what is the remedy? Hmm. I know, Mr. Almost Congressman. You want you want you want to <laughs> jump, in. Say, you want, you want jump in on this one? <laughs> I feel oh, I feel I, mean, I, I feel this is another less this is another less than obvious existential. I'm gonna need another drop of wine for this question. <laughs> I mean I think we all can agree that uh, the amount of honesty in our political discourse is at an all-time low. And it feels ironic that that's the case when we live in an age when so many things are easier to verify via technology. And it is, is kind of ironic, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And yet, despite that, right, we have politicians, plural, uh, maybe one in particular, who just lives on misinformation, uh, half-truths, and flat-out lies without any conscience, it seems. And it just continues to happen. And it feels like, why and how have we allowed this to become the state of our political course? See, and interestingly enough, I take a little, just a little less issue with that, because politicians throughout the course of history have never been 100% honest. And even though they've been 90% honest, I mean, they've all present company excluded, of course, they've all, they've all, you know, (laughs) have, have spun. I didn't think that through before he said it. So sorry. They've all spun tales, you know, to varying extent, you know, stuff like that is comes as part and parcel of the journey. What I have no patience for is us, the listeners to your point who don't do our own work. Like that, I don't, you know, I always say to Joy, 
I have patience for anything and anyone because they don't know the circumstances, but I don't have patience for stupid. And if you hear things and just believe them wholesale and don't do the research, especially at a time where the world of information is at our fingertips, I, that I can't wrap my head around. So I take more issue with the people who believe what's said by anyone at face value versus the person who says it. Cause they're going to say, people are going to say what they're going to say. It's up to us as listeners to listen um, with a great sense of discernment and, and do our homework, do our research, find out what's objectively factual or not, and then respond. So, so yeah, that's, that's where I am. It's interesting that it starts like as a matter of honor. Um, I don't think that's a word we use very much anymore. Um, I think because, because what comes to mind is he's talking about mutual respect, right? Like, like it, it's my responsibility as a human being to treat you with enough respect to tell you the truth and to give you the truth. Um, and I, I, I think those are interchangeable here. I think there was, you know, the, there's a matter of honor that kind of went out with the duels, you know, that we treat now as respect. <laughs> um, Wait, but I know with the what, what went up with the, the what? You know, dueling, like you insulted oh, my honor. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. The duels. You know, I've been watching, we, we, it's Hamilton 24 hours a day with the kids still, <laughs> still after three months, 24 hours a day with Hamilton. So I, I, but I feel like that whole, like you insulted my honor, like has been like replaced with show me some respect, right? Like at least show me the respect that whatever. And, and, you know, I, it's interesting cause, um, as we talk about, especially right now, um, people that are not doing the right things or that we're very much disagreeing with. And, and by that, I meant, sorry, that was air quotes of like people who think coronavirus is a hoax and refuse to wear a mask and et cetera, et cetera, you know, uh, right, exactly. And we, and so we just kind of other them, right. We put them in this otherness category and yet, you know, and we've talked about this, like we have to ask the question of faith of, you know, they're at least at least a human being that I am supposed to treat as a beloved child of God, whether or not I'm feeling that they're, they're, they're that way or not, right? So that minimum amount of respect or that matter of honor, there's a, there's a baseline for all people. And that's hard, that's hard when it's doing the things that, Brian, you were talking about, you know? Yeah, and what about the honor of the person themselves? Like if someone like habitually lies, you would imagine that they've sort of lost their own honor. They've lost the ability for others, others to wreck them. Is that, you know, there's that aspect too, right? You become a certain kind of person if you don't speak honestly or truthfully with integrity. After a while, it feels like, well, why should we keep listening to a person like, like that? Well, and not only that, I think that we then have an obligation to walk away right? That the best thing we can do in this situation is to walk away and stop listening. Because if I, if I continue to be engaged, it's actually going to hurt the relationship more. You know what I mean? Because you're, you're lying. You're, you, at that point, I, my view is that like, you're now lying to yourself so much, you don't even know what, I guess it does go back to that truth question. Like, you don't even know what's true anymore, you know? 
Yeah. Um, so how many million need to walk away before it's official? Um, how many delegates? How many? <laughs> 376? There we go. You know, this will, this will all be resolved when we get rid of the Electoral College. I just want to say that on record. When, when, when that's gone, think, think that things will start to right. Well, between anti-Electoral College and anti-gerrymandering, we're, we're, you know, that'd be great. Ah. That'd be great. It would be. So okay. is there a remedy? Well, I mean, in terms of political discourse, you would hope that uh, voters would reward candidates who they see as operating based out of truth, truth you know, speaking, speaking honestly, um, um, candidly based on, on facts. And Dude, have you been involved in politics recently? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I'm just so, saying, you, you would hope that would that... be a remedy on that front. I think there's the I'm same thing in the church, you. though, too. Like, we often elevate people who are loud and clangy when, you know, yep. they're not exactly the best person. Um, and it's right. not necessarily call motivated, it's power motivated. So like we, you know, we can talk about the politics arena, but in terms of inst all institutions do this in some way, including yes. the church institutions. We don't always reward truth, character, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, people, people say they wanna know the truth and then in the face of the truth. They want what's easy. They, precisely they want yeah. what's easy and they want the truth as long as the truth validates what they already believe yeah want they don't want truth they want confirmation bias right too true all right so last bible quote zechariah eight sixteen says there are things that you shall do speak the truth to one another render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace how can speaking the truth lead to to peace? Mm. So I y'all, I mean, I don't know that y'all listen to this, but the Avon Brothers, um, who I'm a big fan of, um, came out with a new album. They do these albums called Gleam, which is like when you do an album, you have these extra songs left over. And so every once in a while they'll they'll release a gleam album which were like hey these weren't good enough for the album but these we thought they were pretty good so we wanted you to have them super cool idea right like um and, and of course and that what they call and then what they call the b-side back in the day <laughs> it was yeah the b-side but but it comes from the the biblical practice of you know don't go over your fields a second time so that the poor and the hungry can come and glean from them right, right. so it comes from that idea but anyway, their new album, the Green, the Gleam, um, the third album, um, there's a song called Victory on it. And um, it, the chorus is something like, um, in victory, I accept defeat. And it's very powerful right now because it kind of speaks to this idea where I think we are, like speaking the truth can lead to peace, but it has a price. You know what I mean? When there's turmoil, so there's, there's victory in the, in the truth that will ultimately leave, lead you to an inner peace. But there's, especially right now, politically in church, whatever, um, there's a consequence to that truth. And so nobody wins in a lot of ways, right? Because the, the, the culture we've created has created such a discourse that we don't know what's true and we don't even know what we're so far from peace, we don't even know what that might look like. 
Well, the I don't truth know, I that think may have been a tangent. No, no, <laughs> I, I think you're onto something. But on the way, on the way to that is the fact that when we speak the truth, it often leads to difficult conversations. Right. And, right. And, and we are unwilling to have those difficult conversations because, um, uh, for a lot of folks, the overriding thing is um, power mm-hmm. and, and and greed and realizing that for some of us when we have these difficult conversations in order to get the peace we may have to give up something and and the 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 ethos of america is not about giving up it's about accumulating it's about getting you know the or if there's even if there's no resolution the peace in knowing you you stayed in in the midst of righteousness and justice and truth right, right? there's so a, yeah. it's yeah, it's not necessarily about the resolution piece. It's about the like staying rooted in yourself and in your faith and in God, right? So I guess that's where I was trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, I can I I can see that when when we when we talk about the American story, the you know the American dream and all of that, there's no part of the American dream that speaks about giving to your brother. It's about here's how I can climb the ladder. Here's how I can climb the economic well, status the ladder here's how i can accumulate of happiness right. not actual happiness right exactly it's exactly every and person happiness. has the right to pursue it that doesn't mean we're going to get there and happiness is clearly defined as you know the house in the suburbs with the white picket fence that's 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 the, in the constitution they wrote it in. it's in there right it's <laughs> <laughs> the 75th amendment urban lifestyle exactly exactly right not that there's anything wrong with suburbanites no not not at all shout out to the housewives um so i was like who uses housewives I know, right? <laughs> well but you know what the people he's talking about that is an apt description <laughs> probably prob- probably probably true. he's literally talking about the desperate housewives on tv <laughs> and but but to be at peace to be at peace means I, I don't believe you can be simultaneously at peace while simultaneously be on this path of like just greed and accumulation. Like the, th- those two things I believe are not compatible with each other. And I think that's why we, we, we get stuck because those difficult conversations are not ones we're willing to have because it will require us to, for some of us to accept our privilege, for some of us to accept that we, we have to give um, and surrender what we might have um, and to realize that we got where we were on the backs of others. And some of us are not willing to look at that, to admit that, to want to do the work, to change that. Some of us are and credit to, to credit to where we've come in the, in the awareness around the social justice issues and people who for the first time this year in the last few months are willing to say, this is not okay. I'm willing to march for something different, protest for something different, vote for something different. Um, and so, so it, it may look like chaos out there, but that's truth. Having a voice, people beginning to finally listen and more importantly, believe and now go, we got to make some changes to get to peace. Um, you know, and those who are opposed to those changes, of course, are going to make the noise and resist and, and we're going to have this conflict. But, but this is, this is how the art gets bent towards 
justice. You know, I say to people, yeah, the arc bends towards justice, but for things to bend, you got to apply some pressure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and this is, this is, this is what we're, this is what we're seeing now. So, so yeah, let the, let the truth be spoken. Well said. Agreed. Thoughts, I think, thoughts, I think, thoughts almost, Congressman. I, th- I think you're right on. I, I feel hopeful and encouraged. I think we do see a consciousness uh, toward justice uh, and awakening, and there's resistance for all the reasons you said. Not everybody's comfortable with facing reality. Yeah. So uh, as we begin to wrap up, um, again, Mr. Almost Congressman, are there some uh, pardon words you want to share with us? Any Anything you want to plug on our, you know, podcast? Say thanks to you two for uh, keeping the train rolling here on Pathology Live. I've missed uh, you guys. I've missed connecting with our listeners. I look forward to future times joining the show. And everybody uh, out there, we've got a critical election coming up. So wherever you are. Whoa, that was some, <laughs> that was some weird Zoom noise that just happened. There, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> it was um, all good. <laughs> yeah, so, we ran we ran the train right off the tracks, and you know. No, we are we're on a different track. Thank you very much. <laughs> we just skipped tracks. We skipped. We skipped. We're on the third rail all the way. <laughs> there you go. That's 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 the tagline right there. The third show, rail. Show title on the third rail. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Thank you very much to our special guest, uh, Brian Berghoff, almost congressman, minister, father, husband, founder of this train we're talking about here. It's good to see you and connect with you again. Um, what's the website? BrianBerghoff.com. How will people find you? What's, what's your site? Yep, BrianBerghoff.com. You got it. You can find us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as well. There you go. And if you uh, feel so need, feel the need to contribute to uh, a campaign, an individual who I believe is um, a force for truth and good, head over there, uh, make a donation. Um, uh, we would like to thank the originator of Pop Theology. Oh, I'm reading the script. Oh, yeah, that's you. Thank you, Brian, who also comes up with these crazy questions. Our producer, Derek Weston. Connect and spread the word on social media. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Watch us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You can sign up at patreon.com slash ptlife for more content. And if you want to find and create a socially distanced pub theology in your town, you can find information at pubtheology.com slash directory. Uh, when you sign up, you have the option to get these questions that we cover in every podcast. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.